Good afternoon. This is Beggs, Kevin Baker, Beggs Takes. Welcome to the show. It's uh, Saturday, November 20th, and uh, I'm here to make you money in up and down markets. Uh, yes, stocks do go down. And please do me a favor. Please refer one person if you think I've added value. Uh, I really want to add to my subscribers, and I appreciate it. Thank you in advance. Why I do this, my boys, Bobby and Jack, now 25 and 23. Uh, we talk uh, money and markets. This is a great excuse for me to stay connected, and I invite you to listen in. Uh, I am not a shill for the hedge funds, as some of my uh, uh, Twitter friends have uh, opined, and my YouTube friends. Uh, I simply uh, want to make money for my sons, again, in up and down markets, and, uh, and I, I invest accordingly and only talk about uh, what I'm interested in and investing in. So uh, I have uh, no extra grind except that I want to uh, help myself and my, my sons and make money for my wife and I. Uh, I was a broker in the 87 crash, went through uh, that crazy year and day. Um, and I found technical analysis, uh, charts, patterns, volume, and I do a lot of fundamental work, which you'll see and have seen, uh, but I go technicals first, fundamental second. It just works for me. It's not right or wrong. Uh, I read the journal, Barron's, The Economist. I listen to podcasts. I devoured relevant newsletters. I monitor what my Google alerts bring, and I point you to them, but if you don't want to do that, please know that I'll do it for you, and I eat home cooking. I have no conflicts. And tell me what your pain points are, problems you'd like solve, topics I should cover, uh, and thank you. Thank you especially to, to my sons, uh, Bobby and Jack and Charlie, Justin, Murph, uh, from this Luddite that's making this uh, uh, show better and better and better and more technically savvy as we go forward. I am going to launch Bakes Takes Plus using uh, Supercast or Patreon or something along those lines where it's going to be more tailored to you and your stocks and your ETFs and your funds, even more than I do now. Um, uh, maybe a weekly call with me, either on Zoom or Discord. I'll teach technical analysis. You help me design the show. Uh, tell me guests I should reach out to, texts I should send. Uh, and I send texts to my sons whenever I do a trade. Do you want to be on that? 610-331-4283. This is not investment advice. Here's my disclaimer. Please conduct and share your own due diligence. Uh, and fan mail, which always makes me happy. This is Basil, a new friend of mine, uh, and asked about MP materials. And a short report came out. I'm paraphrasing the question here. Uh, you know, whacked the stock down 12%, has since recovered. And uh, he's in at 37. And Basil, here we go. Here's the chart. And those of you who are listening, please go to my YouTube channel so you can see the charts that I referenced because I'm a visual learner and teacher, and I hope this is helpful. Now, my kid, my thought when short reports come, whenever someone like off Wall Street or someone of that ilk issued a short report in my prior life, it made my life miserable. Frankly, they were usually right. The 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 work was very thoughtful and layered, and um, uh, and I'll go into that a little bit more. In this case, the earnings pleased the market. Right after the short report, the 50-day moving average moved up through the 200-day, and it uh, looks good. So I would say a hold for now. Uh, Grizzly reports, I don't know them, but I do know the way shorts work most of the time, and they keep coming in waves or layers, and there's always other arrows 
in the quiver to shoot over time that they usually have saved. So, um, and I've read the report briefly, um, basically saying that Chamath has repackaged an old rare uh, uh, metals company uh, with no little change. And I, I, again, I have not done the the nitty gritty fundamental work that I normally would have in the old days, but I hold Shamath in high regard. I don't know him personally. I do think EVs are overhyped. I think the competition is going to be brutal and ruthless. Uh, but anyway, uh, this broke above 4068 on big volume, uh, which is a positive. And uh, it, especially if it, it uh, continues to shrug off subsequent bear reports, uh, I would uh, I would hold the name 5177. You asked about levels. 5177 is the old high. That's where it stalls out, I think, and consolidates another base. But if it blasts through that, then Katie bar the door. <clears throat> uh, so my take is hold for now execute my cell discipline if the if the future short reports uh, uh, you know don't knock the stock down and the 200 day moving average is at 34.79 that's the first time I'd be getting nervous and that isn't too far from your purchase price so uh, I think you're in pretty good shape and I hope I've been helpful and, and please tell me if I haven't uh, I had an anonymous request asking about how to invest in private companies and I'm very public company focused. I like having a chart with history and, and uh, uh, volume that I could pay attention to. So I'm not going to kid you. I don't, uh, I, I have done very little with privates. And so you asked about different legal structures, uh, SPVs, special purpose vehicles, LLCs, limited liability corporation. And I'm just going to admit when I don't have uh, really an ax to grind or, or an edge, and I don't, I don't, I don't have one here. Uh, so now I would ask one, two, two things. Number one, if you're going to be in privates, uh, uh, I would certainly diversify away from your, your main line of income. So if you're in the financial industry, uh, then I would, I would you know, try to run far afield and, and be away from where you earn your paycheck. So be in everything but financial in the, the stocks uh, or, or companies. And then second, check out Jason Cal. Oh, make sure you have the liquidity. Make sure you have that base of cash, gold, uh, uh, crypto, so that if you know all hell breaks loose, you have some some liquidity to meet your your living expenses. And I would check out Jason Calacanis, JCal, uh, at Jason on Twitter. He's the host of the All In podcast, which I talk about all the time, and uh, this week in startups, which is uh, terrific. And uh, angel investor, written several books, and it would be a good place to start. And I hope you know that's been helpful in, in some way. Uh, Anthony Kalicki, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, Anthony, uh, you know, I'm reading his great show. Uh, do you think the oil services sector is still undervalued? Do you have a favorite from just looking at the charts? I've been nibbling on rig. And yes, I've been long uranium stocks for months. I love the sector. Thanks. And I thank you, Anthony. I really appreciate the kind words. Uh, and you brought a smile to my face with rig uh, Transocean. It was the first oil service a company I bought back in the 90s. Yes, that's how old I am. And uh, I had to ask what a day rate was, which is, as you could have figured out, uh, it's what they charge the oil companies per day to drill a well out in the Gulf of Mexico or wherever. And um, so I, 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 you know, this has been a, was a really good winner uh, in the 90s for me. And now I'm going to have to say it's fair at best. Take a look at these arrows 
the volume is picking up on the down days. The moving averages are, are crossing to the downside. And uh, I don't think there's, uh, there's a lot going on here right now. Here's the longer term chart. I wanted to bring this up uh, from 2008. And this is just, I got a couple of points here. I mean, obviously, these are cyclicals. Uh, they can be great stocks. Uh, but, you know, stocks do go down when, when fundamentals change and they anticipate fundamentals. So this peaked at, at 163 in 2008. And it's so old, the chart doesn't cover the time I owned it. Uh, I can't go back that far. Uh, but then we bought them in October of last year at 65 cents. 65 cents. So if you don't have a sell discipline and you ride stocks down, uh, it could be really, really painful. And I'm sure there were analysts at the peak that were declaring the sound fundamentals, uh, you know, shortly after the peak. And I'm just here to tell you that that uh, things change and you have to be uh, uh, agnostic about about uh, stocks and shoot them when they turn into old yellers. And rig turned into an old yeller, and I don't think it's turned around yet. It's bounced off the low, but I don't see anything great going on here. I'll talk about that a little bit more. So my take is. Uh, wait for rig to break out. And this is another great point. The stock will tell you and us if revenue and earnings upside is coming. You don't need to anticipate it and then get into something that's dead money or worse, loses you a lot of money. I like the, the, the market to tell me what's coming up. By the way, I'm doing this now and I'm going to do this for the premium service. I take all these ideas, I put them in my system and I go through them you know, virtually daily. And I'll let you know if something is going on that I think is actionable. And you can make your own mind, you're big boys and girls and, and it's you know your money. But I'll say, hey, this happened uh, at this price. The volume looks good, bad or ugly. And, uh, and, and I'll, I'll let you know what's going on in real time. And so that you can hold your winners and, and uh, you know, let your winners run and, and cut your losses. So I looked at the general oil services uh, sector to see if anything was going on here. And uh, this is the OIH ETF. Um, and the bottom line is, uh, this is my fundamental thoughts. Uh, the EMPs won't expand their, their budgets and, and start spending money on, on drill bits and, and, uh, uh, and oil rigs and all these other things that need to get oil out of the ground uh, until their stock goes up. And they've said that publicly. Jeff Curry at Goldman Sachs has, has, has been talking about this for a long time. He's the head of commodities there. And I believe him and I'm seeing it in the charts too. So this is a mediocre chart in my opinion. And, and I uh, would stay tuned. I'm going to be looking at this and I'll let you know if I see anything. But for right now, I don't see anything going on in oil services sector. And if anything, I have a bias to that because uh, it worked out really well in, in, uh, uh, in the 90s for me. So here's the, the oil services sector ETF longer term. This is the monthly OIH. Um, started at 08, it was at 1524, 1524, and came down to 66 last year. So stocks go down too, and I'm going to be here, you know, helping you along the way. Here's the oil price. Uh, uh, going way back to the 30s, 40s, from more perspective, in, uh, in 08, uh, there's that theme. And that was the peak for a lot of things, stocks included in general. But oil peaked at 170. And then it, I think it sniffed out the financial crisis. That's just me. Uh, you know, bottomed at uh, below 20. And we've gone from 20 to 80 in the last 12 months. And energy so service stocks don't really care yet. And so 
you know, the market's pretty smart and it's saying, I think what I've re relayed uh, from Jeff Curry, uh, it's just, it's too, my take is it's too soon for oil service and I'll let you know when it, uh, when it changes. So I hope that's been, uh, been helpful. Uh, Murph asked about socks and we've talked about this in the past. And this is from a recent show. And I do this because I want to be honest and keep my feet to the fire and tell you what I do right and wrong. But uh, this is from, I don't know, three weeks ago, maybe a little bit more. And I mentioned this is right from my, my show notes of that, of that uh, time. Big down volume is a warning sign. It's still respecting the tour today uh, at 434.54, but it feel and looks tired. And my take at that point was the NVIDIA and AMD earnings reports will tell us if there's enough to keep the bull going. I doubt it, but hold this winner for now. Well, uh, uh, Intel had, had just had a horrible earnings report and created that test of, of the 200-day moving average. And then this is more recently the, um, uh, the SOX went from 463 to 531, up 14% plus. So uh, there was obviously a lot of good things going on outside of Intel to push the general group up. Now, and Murph, you and I texted back and forth on this, and I said, you asked about the socks. I said, NVIDIA is a beast. And it went from 200 to 300, 50% in a month, and more than made up for, for Intel. So, uh, and oh, by the way, uh, the Thursday, Friday this week, they blew out earnings, and it went up another 10%. So, <clears throat> um, the, you know, the market did a great job of saying uh, Intel's bad, but NVIDIA and AMD are good, and this is going to uh, uh, go north. But notice what I said. I said I doubted it, but I said hold it. And so, uh, you know, I try to check my biases at the door as best I can. And NVIDIA, even though it's a great company, even though it's very expensive, uh, it just got more so. And I'm not going to argue with the market. So hold on to socks. Great pick. Congratulations. Uh, this is also from a recent show. This is DraftKings. And again, this is the kind of thing I want to do in Bakes Takes Plus is, you know, everybody cares about their stocks more than my stocks. So I'm going to be talking about your stocks and I'm going to try and get you out of harm's way and, and, and maximize profits. DraftKings, DKNG. Um, uh, I, the arrows I drew here were my cell discipline. I won't go into that here unless you ask me to for a future show. And then we got out of 46.52, or that's what you know the cell discipline dictated. And the down volume was 63% above normal. The earnings were coming up in 14 days. And uh, what did I say? I said, oh, you know, I didn't like it. Uh, is is, is making a long story short. And so we went from 46 to 39, down 15%. Earnings didn't drive the stock up, what will? And uh, I think that's, uh, that's still the case. My take is it's still in a void, and I'm happy to discuss down the road. From another recent show, this is Square SQ, um, and, and these are my from a show, show notes again in the past. Close below the tour today, moving average, big volume. I would have sold a third. Uh, I said it's a great company, but it's a great company with 144 PE. And that's expensive. I don't care who you are. And uh, so what's happened since then? That's at um, uh, 248. And now here we are subsequently at, uh, at 237. It's not, it's not, you know, horrendous, but it's clearly rolling over. So my take is I'm still, uh, I would still avoid that. Peloton folks have asked about in the past. 
you know, big fans of the product, but don't be, you know, lulled into thinking that it's a good stock as well. So um, the sell discipline said get out at 105.53. Please take a look at the three arrows here. And we're at 55.64 now. Uh, so if your fundamental work got you out at, at 150 at the peak and you top ticked it, great. I doubt that happened. Uh, it almost never happens. Um, but if not, 105 beats 55. And uh, my caveat to this is Scott Galloway and others have talked about Apple being a very likely acquirer of them. So that, that to me, that's about the only event that's going to move this stock up meaningfully. I think also you're going to have tax loss selling that's going to be uh, a, a problem as we uh, as we as we go forward over the next uh, you know six weeks basically. Uh, Peloton, uh, the, this is the longer term, which I I just want to show you the perspective. The breakout was at 37, we went to 150, and then uh, it's easier to destroy than build, so we went from 86 to 55 in one day down 35%. And now uh, that line is resistance. 68 to 80 is pretty strong resistance. Anytime you get close to that range, there's going to be a lot of selling coming. So uh, I, I would be very wary of that. And here's Peloton now. I think 50 is the floor and uh, it's dead money for now. They just raised a billion dollars. They're losing money. Uh, but this is a good example for Bakes Takes. I'm going to monitor your stocks, ETFs, funds, and alert you of buy and sell points. And then you do with them what you will. But I think you're going to find over time, like those last two or three showed, uh, I'm pretty good at this. And uh, uh, I've got an eye for this after, after you know, putting in my 10,000 hours. I'll help you lock in profits and avoid losses. And tell me what else you'd like too. Charlie S. came in and asked about Fidelity Trend. And this is a beast, Charlie. Um, you know, it's it's mom and apple pie. That this is the top ten holdings that I just I just printed here to show people: Amazon, Google, Facebook, Nvidia, Tesla. You know, it's a murderer's row. And so and now it's stretched and extended and expensive. But just let it go. Just let it ride. Uh, same with Fidelity Founders. It's in a clear uptrend, way above the moving averages. Again, mom and apple pie kind of stocks. And um, so my take is hold both. These are expensive leaders, but it's uh, they're still working. So uh, if this is long-term retirement money that you're dollar cost averaging in over and over and over again, especially at, at your age, just let it go. Just keep going. If it's more speculative additional investments on top of that, then I would watch the moving averages and my cell discipline but you, you don't have to worry about anything right now. And again, I plug this into my system and, um, and uh, I'm looking at it in my alerts all the time. My themes and groups. And uh, I have this, this thing in my phone that I look at every single day. And I go, what if it works? Because the traditional way of managing money really doesn't work. You know, the, the healthcare analyst pitches stocks, that was me, the, the retail guy and the, and the tech lady, and they go to the PM and they say, I think, I think we ought to own these, they're in the benchmark, and we're going to outperform the benchmark. And as we've seen over and over again, very few people are, are beating the benchmark. In fact, most are, are trailing. And the fees are coming down and the assets are going down and the firms are imploding. So I said, wait a minute, what if you just become your own hedge fund and, and just go wherever the heck you want and, and make, try to make money every single year in up and down markets? Yes, the markets go up 70% of the time, but the 30 hurts. 
And so I'm trying to make you money in the 30 as well. And we'll see if I can do that. All right. We don't really know yet because it's been straight up since we started. But here's my portfolio up 18%. There's no 15% losers. Uranium is up 213% since the July 25th buy. It's up 123% year to date. Uh, uranium is still acting great. URA. Copper, COPX is, is, uh, uh, is still working, up 23. You can see everything here. Uh, agricultural stocks up 22%. Uh, the retail stocks, including GameStop as a percentage in here, I think it's four or five, is up 14%. I'm uh, uh, short the SPACs. And I'm short uh, emerging markets, especially China and Taiwan. And those have hurt, but not much. I'm down 2 3%. I've got 35% in cash, so I'm nimble. And I can go to the next uranium when I find it. And I'm always looking for it. And if you can help me, I am all ears. Um, uh, Murph asked about uranium. And uh, the the 70 URNM in this case, North Shore, uh, the 7178 level that I talked about, is that still a place to get in? And I said, yes. And I wrote, I drew on the chart here, the breakout of, of 71 and the, you know, the stair step that we're building here. And then I wanted you to see, you know, people could say, you know, what makes a good chart or what are you looking at? And I hope this helps to an extent. I, I see stair steps here. They're imperfect. They're not, you know, exactly the same size. But uh, this is what I want to see. I want to see a, a step, a, a breakout, a big volume, a consolidation, build another step and keep going. And uh, it, they're imperfect. They always are. But uh, what I think is happening here is we're building this next step. I think 71, 78, I doubt we hit that range. I'm not, a. I think it's everything's possible. But we're building a new base, in my opinion. And I would have some maybe a third to a half of your position just now uh, at 92.3, something like that now, because uh, I want you to own it because I think we're in inning four, we're not in inning eight. And uh, just for perspective, the, the metal itself, these are the mining companies, but the metal itself is uh, gone from 18 at the low to high 40s, low 50s, depending on the day. The prior peak was 130. And I don't see any reason why we can't hit that again, which is why I talk about five to eight times so much. And uh, Murph, I hope that's been helpful on uranium. Uh, the agricultural complex is still going, especially wheat, which is 25% of this. This is TAGS, the Tecurium Agricultural Fund. And uh, the trend's still intact. Wheat's over $8. Inflation is here, and it is unlikely transitory. And this is the market telling me and us, and it told us a while ago that this inflation was coming, especially in the, the agricultural products, the softs, as they're called. And so I would still be here. Uh, it's, it's acting, frankly, better than I thought it would. So my take is hold uranium and tags for now. 10% of the portfolio of each is enough for me, but uh, you know, you do what you want, but that's what I'm, I'm seeing. And I, I really appreciate the question. Uh, I went through all my charts this past week, uh, 1700 plus, like I always do, including yours. And um, this is the, the only thing that came out to me or, you know, reared its head was the S and P 500. Uh, and this isn't, you know, a big deal. 
yet, but it's it's a, it's a small concern. The, the the price is going up, which is great. You want that's obviously the most important, but the volume is receding on the down days. So you can see the arrows that I drew here, and it just means that I'm a wary bull. I'm a bull with his head on a swivel, and this feels tired to me at a time of the year when it shouldn't be tired. Uh, we just had great earnings reports, and and the stocks went up. So it's you know it's we're okay, but uh, just it just feels late and extended and tired to me. And I'll let you know if if things reverse and accelerate. But so here's my take. This is my hedge fund that I just showed you, and I want you to help you build yours. And uh, stocks do go down, and you, if you make money in up and down markets, I just I think psychologically it's going to be a, a great thing for all of us. So I'm going to see what if it works. What if it works? And I hope the answer is yes. So far, it is. Um, you know, most of you haven't seen big bear markets. And please do me a favor, refer your friends and stay tuned. Uh, next, Wall Street Bets. And so, yeah, I spent time on Wall Street Bets. Uh, and there was just one report from, um, and I forget who this was, I apologize. But make a long story short, GameStop, if they announce something regarding NFTs, that is, you know, obviously harder than a pistol with this constitution news and what have you. Um, uh, the, the, uh, NFT world's exploding. Uh, I, you know, how much is, is real versus, versus promise, uh, how much have we priced into, into, into the present, I think is a great deal, but, uh, from a recent show I, I talked about with the price of 213 GameStop was at 177.51, the tour today moving average, it's moving up. Uh, and the volume is picking up in the updates, but in the case of GameStop, the fundamentals really don't matter. But I want you to be alert that if you hear, if you see some great news on uh, uh, NFTs, yep, it could go north. It could absolutely go north. If it yawns on that, then I'm going to be more concerned. And so my take is hold GameStop for now, but be ready to sell a third. And I know the holders hate that, and they, and they think I'm a shill for the hedge funds, and I am not. Um, but uh, you know, if you're in, you know, anywhere below, you know, 177 to 200, then you've made money and I want you to keep the money. And I'm telling you, when these things roll over, they roll over pretty much the same way every time. And a close below the tumor today is going to be the first signal to sell a third. And I'll let you know. Uh, podcast of the week. This is Pivot. And at, uh, I got the link in the show notes here. Prof G at 20 minutes. He uh, uh, talks about Apple buying and uh, or Nike buying Peloton, and he, that was before the the recent swoon in the stock price. And it makes a lot of sense, you know. Affluent, technically adept people, you have their attention for you know thirty to sixty minutes every single day, uh, and Apple wants to be part of that. So I, it makes sense to me, which is why I wouldn't be shorted, especially at fifty four. Uh, Square buying Twitter and Jack Dorsey becoming the CEO of, of one company as opposed to two. He's the CEO of both right now and becoming the Alibaba of the US and the super app makes a lot of sense as well. And stay tuned for, for, uh, for that as well. So I just, if you, if you uh, own those stocks, I just want you to have that in the back of your mind and please check out those podcasts. I listen to them every single week and I think they're terrific all in, uh, mentioned it before, Jason Calacanis is the host. Uh, at 10 minutes, Chamath uh, Palahapatia, who sponsors a number of SPACs, including SoFi, 
uh, said three different times, said uh, the stock market's at new highs, inflation's at new highs, the economy's at new highs, and the two smartest people and arguably uh, of our generation in the U.S., Bezos and Musk, are selling stock. Now, them selling 10% stock is, is you know, is, uh, we can't relate to it because of, you know, their, their, their massive wealth. But bottom line is you, you, you sell stocks when you think they're going down, not when they're going up. And he can make, uh, in the case of Musk, they can be posturing about uh, taxes and what have you, but he's still selling the stock. And he's selling the stock in November. I said this on Twitter. He's selling the stock in November. You wait till January 2nd, you push the tax out another 15 months. So uh, he might be seeing something that, that, that we don't. And just it's, it's, it's cautionary to me. And then at 106, Jason in particular talks about China, Taiwan. That's my, my, I think uh, China uh, attacking, trying to, to annex Taiwan again is the, is the gray, swan, gray swan out there that could really whack things. And I think the EUM ETF that I own is perking up enough to tell me that something might be going on in that regard. And there's a lot of, there's other bad problems with China as well in their real estate market. We'll talk about that pretty soon. Reporters of the week, uranium squeeze on Wall Street bet appointed to this Wall Street Journal story in the op-ed piece. Nuclear power is the best climate change solution by far. Pretty emphatic and pretty straightforward. Andrew Philat and and, uh, Henry Miller and... uh, uh, Greenhouse gas emissions are one seven hundredth those of coal and one fourth those of solar. So the the uh, the drumbeat is growing for nuclear to be more accepted, in my view, which is good for uranium. Uh, the Economist, which I I, I I wish they would put their uh, reporters' names on it, but they don't for whatever reason. But there are two articles in, in the November thirteenth issue: the discreet charm of nuclear power. And uh, will the climate crisis force America to reconsider nuclear power? And uh, I think that's absolutely the case. Red, white, and green is this chart that they used. And they show that, that, that support uh, for Republicans has always been pretty strong. But for Democrats, it's been growing over the last uh, the three years. Uh, and so that, that uh, we went from 37% approval to 56% for Democrats and young people you know, they don't know about uh, uh, Three Mile Island and, and um, uh, Chernobyl. So it, it's becoming, uh, I think uranium is ESG. I tell my, my uh, share scoops people that all the time. And I think it's inevitable that it becomes a bigger part of ESG going forward. Uh, Bloomberg Green writes, China's climate goals hinge on a $440 billion nuclear build-out. Uh, they're building 150 new reactors in the next 15 years, more than the rest of the world has built in the past 35. So, I mean, this is coming, in, 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 in my view. Uh, this is from Dan Murtaugh and Crystal Chia, the reporters at, at Bloomberg uh, Green. And um, now that's not going to happen tomorrow, but you know, all of those plants are going to be signing contracts eventually for uranium, which is going to be uh, scarce and, and, and going up in price, in my view. Uh, this is the other part of the China story that I've been watching and talking about with you folks. Uh, the shares of Chinese developed, this is in the Business Insider, uh, Donnie Kwok and Anne-Marie Rontree. And shares of Chinese developer Kaisa uh, uh, and, 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 and their units suspended as their debt woes mount amid fears of contagion from Evergrande's crisis. 
So Evergrande has run into some severe liquidity concerns, and now it's starting to spread to the rest of the real estate market and the other developers. So um, shares were suspended Friday. Uh, uh, the company said it's facing unprecedented liquidity pressure. And among Chinese developers, Kaisa has the most offshore debt due over the next year after China Evergrande. So uh, they plead for more patience to solve their liquidity issues as concerns mount. Uh, that's from Reuters, Josh Horwitz, and Brenda Goh. And um, from Business Insider, Huling Tang, uh, economic slowdown would have global consequences, says Yellen, uh, amid concerns that Evergrande's woes could spark a financial crisis. So this is becoming uh, more pronounced, more prevalent. We've been talking about us from the back pages of The Economist, and now it's starting to get to the front pages of the Wall Street Journal and other sources. So uh, this is also from The Economist recently. Um, uh, Evergrande is not the only looming danger in China's financial system. Uh, 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 Chairman Xi, the head of the Communist Party, is, is, you know, may succeed in averting a, a, a bad debt crisis by reasserting state authority, but, uh, it, it, but it creates dangerous distortions in the future. So it could happen. I think it's unlikely. And uh, you know, my take is, first it was Evergrande, and now it's Kaisa, and now it's Country Garden, and now it's Vanky. And I use the COVID example. I'm not going to panic, but I'm not going to ignore it. And so this could be a contagion. And uh, real estate is 30% of, of uh, the Chinese economy. And we've seen this movie before, 08 through 2010, the big short around here, uh, when, in, when debt unravels, it's very, very painful. And the deflation that occurs, I think, is going to be painful for the Chinese, no matter what extreme measures the Communist Party can take to, to, uh, to stem the, the losses. In the Wall Street Journal, James McIntosh writes about, um, on the inflation surge, the Fed is running out of excuses. And uh, investors uh, uh, still buy the, the story that inflation will go away, but the risk arising that it won't. And then I just look at this median consumer price index chart. And I'm not an economist, and I, I almost never, you know, I would never take a top-down view and make an investment. I always look at, at what's going on in the, in the, uh, on the ground level with, with, with individual stocks and groups. But as James points out, inflation is broken out through prior resistance. The trends tend to persist, and I think James is right. And, I mean, this is 30 years of, of, of history, and we're blowing through it. And it just doesn't make any sense that that's going to reverse anytime soon. So my take is the market presents inflation winners. You don't and I don't need to guess ahead of time. So we're in copper, we're in agricultural, we're in uranium. And frankly, we were in them before inflation was being talked about because the market was anticipating it. And so I just think it's better to do it that way than to try to be an economist stock picker. I don't think they're very good at it most of the time. Uh, my charts and tweets of the week, James Bianco. And this is just an interesting case study where uh, the uh, Tesla was was included in the S&P. They, they had to kick something out. And apartment investment group, AIV, after it was kicked out, uh, outperformed Tesla, which is no small feat. Tesla's been a horse. So the fact, that it, but I just go to the, it goes to the point that 
uh, you know, how much good news is priced in? And it's a great question to always ask yourself, you know, does it feel like I'm that everything is just about here? And, and should I go look for other other uh, places to go? Um, he also uh, talks about the the um, this is James Bianco again. Uh, the Australia uh, said this is how yield curve control ends. This is his commentary. It blo- commentary. It blows up in the central bankers' face, and then the central bankers go to great pains to explain why this is what they planned all along. And so this is the the bond yield for 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 the Australian market, and it went from 0.1 percent to 1.8. It looks like in a month. And uh, my point here is if, if U.S. rates do anything like this and the Fed says, oh, well, that's what we try to do, it's going to be a lie. And then number two, 1.7% on top of 1.5 is 3.2. And there's no way the market stays higher, goes higher with rates doing that. So uh, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but watch for it. And if you see breakouts, and I'm sure going to be looking for them, breakouts in yields that are substantial, you're going to see breakdowns in stocks, especially high-priced tech stocks. And so my take is consider what's priced in, and, and the charts will help, and I'll help you with the charts, and listen for lopsided commentary. If there's too much consensus on one side, uh, you and I will lean the other way. And I think we'll be better for it. My newsletters of the week, the Bear Traps Report, it's just a graphic illustration of the Chinese situation. The top two Chinese developers, Country Garden and Vanky, their dollar bonds are, 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 are getting crushed, which means that people think they're not going to get paid back and they're probably right. And, and look at the price action on these. So um, uh, Larry McDonald and his team does great work. So my take is China's slowing is neutral to bearish for the U.S. Uh, uh, stocks. It can't be bullish. I can't come up with a way that any of this is bullish. All right, folks, uh, that's the show. Please also subscribe to my Bakes Takes YouTube channel. The audio is the same, but the charts that I reference are on the screen. Follow us on Twitter at Bakes Takes and, and uh, sorry, at Bakes Takes underscore and other social media. Please, please use your voice memo app, tape your questions and email to Bakes at BakesTakesPodcast.com or write in if you'd prefer. I'll keep you anonymous if you'd like. Thank you for listening. Mike Wilson is my producer. Have a great week. This is Bakes. And for much needed levity, uh, a double shot of uh, Anthony Jeselnik, who I think is one of the funniest stand-up comedians going uh kissing butts and taking names is a uh, a recent podcast uh of the J- jesselnick rosenthal vanity project jrvp junior vice president um uh, erica does it better i understand but uh, also anthony jesselnick roast pete it's uh on the pete holmes show uh recently on youtube and please check that out hope you have some fun And happy Thanksgiving to all of you. And uh, God bless you. God bless America. See you soon. Bye now. (laughs) 